0: Right.
1: I'm standing with Jasmine and Hayden Green on their property, just outside of Wagga, surrounded by some of their young heifers.
0: Well, right now we're we're at Burma, which is our headquarters place, just outside of Wagga at Euron in New South Wales. Uh, we're standing in the middle of a paddock of oats, turnips, ryegrass and clover Um, and a set of heifers that are around us right now that we're preparing for our spring selection sale in October so these guys will start getting pictured and videoed in about um, a month's time. So these all come in they get washed and haircuts and then we set up a picture pen and we spend like literally hours trying to get them to stop in the right spot and make noises Mm and the most likely day to get divorced for any farmer I think is picture day. It's very stressful. (laughs) <laughs>
2: Looking good,
0: but aren't they, yeah, I was just gonna say
1: that. We're gonna just... picture up pretty nice. Hi, I'm Sam Loy and welcome to Propagate, the show for young farmers and fishers. This season, we're having a look at how young farmers are throwing away the farming blueprint and finding ways to make their business work. From juggling off-farm jobs trying new ways of selling cattle to investing in new tech. I'll also take a look at the other side of the business, because no matter how well your livestock or crops are going, if you don't manage the business well, things can go very wrong. The farmers I'll be talking to tell me what resiliency methods they're using to make sure they're prepared for whatever the future brings.
2: So, today we're at Summit Livestock. So, we're a seed stock operation. We specialise in, in limbers and Angus and Simitel genetics. Uh, we're based down here in the Riverina region of southern New South Wales. Um, so, we're currently staying on a,
1: Jasmine and her husband Hayden have been running Summit Livestock for seven years. As I talk to them on their property, Jasmine holds their youngest sleeping in her arms.
2: We're on 120 acres that we lease. Here in the, uh, this part of the operation, I guess, allows us to, to manage a lot of our young cattle. So we bring our bulls in, uh, we manage them up to sale time here. We'll also wean a lot of our calves back onto this block and, and manage them through um, until we work out sort of what their avenue they're going down in terms of sale or whether we're keeping those and then they're going back into the herd. So And we'll also manage a lot of our donor uh, programs and stuff out of here as well.
0: So we raise Limousin, Angus and Cementel seed stock. You know, I guess the main outputs of our business were predominantly bulls. There are always some breeding females sold in our operation, semen, embryos, pregnant recipients, all those kinds of things.
1: Hayden has been in the AI business for a long time. And no, not that AI. We're talking artificial insemination.
0: Uh, So I didn't come from a farming background. My family aren't into farming. I got exposed to cattle from our school show team in high school. So I kind of grew up, started showing a few steers and did some pieces, got exposed to the limbs and bred
1: through that actually. When Hayden finished high school, he went overseas to the US and spent time on different farms, learning more about the beef industry. And that kind of
0: morphed into a, uh, an opportunity to work for one of the AI companies. I came back to Australia then to take on a sales role. And for the next six to seven years, I kind of grew through that business and ended up being the supply procurement manager for one of those companies so i basically got to travel the world study genetics work with some of the greatest cattlemen across the world uh, to procure bulls for that ai company so I had a great education and and built a terrific network of mentors across the world in the in the beef business
1: so it's no surprise that ai has become a big part of the summit livestock business
0: yeah so i guess i spent those six or seven years working with the artificial breeding company and and that cyber procurement role was just so intense basically kept me out of the country for the majority of the time which it's a young person's role and certainly not a, a family role so I came home uh, seven years ago and resigned from that position and we really kind of grew the Summit Livestock business quite uh, quite quickly from there uh, we decided that um, it was probably going to be lucrative enough to turn into a full-time position for me and, um, and so we just decided that we'd dedicate some resources and some time to that and yeah
1: the rest is history I guess. And Hayden has kept a bit of that outside AI work on the side as extra income for the business. It's kind of like contracting income for a a lack of a different term.
0: So um, yeah, I'll go away and do some AI work for those guys. And on that, we'll get paid to do the AI service and often we'll sell semen to the same guys as well. So it doesn't encompass a huge amount of time in my year. The breeding season is generally only about six weeks long, so it'll be very busy for those six weeks. And in that period of time, we're normally breeding our own too. But um, yeah, we'll probably get an extra five or 6,000 cows bred a year for different customers um, right around the country, right from central Queensland to King Island. But uh, more and more these days, it's very much centralised around where we are, so we don't have to travel too far.
1: Another source of extra income is Jasmine's off-farm job.
2: The reason we're here just in Wagga is because I actually work for Tees Australia in their, their livestock team. So I've been working with Tees for the last 10 years based out of their Wagga plant. And I guess it sort of just, yeah, it worked out well that we were able to sort of find somewhere to, to lease down here so we could still continue to, to run the Summit Livestock operation. So, yeah, I can still live close to where I work off-farm and still enable us to do what you do here at Summit.
1: At the start of their Summit Livestock journey, when Jasmine and Hayden first started out, they did try going down a more traditional route.
0: When we first sort of kicked things into gear with Summit Livestock, we thought we'd just kind of do things a bit like everybody else and that we'd run a single production sale and a single bull sale in one space at one time a year on one market and uh, and that was sort of middle of the drought and we ran our first two bull sales in corporation with uh, another breeder and that was probably a pretty hard lesson learned. So we quickly decided that maybe that kind of strategy wasn't for us and that being young and not having you know a particularly well-built clientele because we hadn't been in it for long we hadn't sold a lot of cattle to a lot of people we needed to to take a strategy that that allowed us to meet more people and to maybe manage our risk a little better and maybe offer those cattle across different geographical areas uh, across different markets at different time of year to different people Um, and that would allow us to uh, to make a lot more contacts and build a lot more relationships to let our business grow yeah so we took a a different path from then for the last five years we've been um, concentrating on trying to identify different parts of the world where there are opportunities and, and take the cattle to those places we try to develop a strategy that that creates cash flow throughout the year basically from a risk management standpoint, so we're not at the whim of any
1: one of those things, which can really affect a market on a day. But now, Summit Livestock has a pretty diverse portfolio.
2: Well, we sell bulls all throughout the year, so a lot of those are by private treaty, and we also participate in quite a number of multi-vendor sale opportunities um, across the country. Uh, We also sell a lot of females, so we have our own online female sale, Um, and we also market some of those genetics privately as well. We also have our own uh, semen sire catalogue. So we do, I guess, offer some of the size that we use in our own program. We actually offer that those, make them available to other breeders to utilise. We also offer semen of some of our own bulls, uh, both that we're using, but also ones that are suitable for sort of commercial programs. Uh, Hayden does a little bit of commercial AI work with some different programs around the country as well. Um, and I guess that sort of just helps us give a little bit more of a diversified income. Uh, for our business, so we're not just relying on the income from those bulls coming in.
1: And it's not just in the product that they offer, they've also kept their geographical locations diversified. I guess you know, we're
0: spread over a reasonably large geographic area in that we lease a number of different places and are just on a number of different places and have a number of cooperator herds that work with us. So the vast majority of our breeding cows actually run up in the southern tablelands around Cripple. Uh, we have this main block here. We have another couple of lease blocks nearby here in the Riverina. We have some more lease country over in Crickle. We have leased country up into the hills around Adelong and Bago and that sort of area. Um, we have a couple of embryo cooperators that raise ET cows for us and send them home. Yeah, we try to run what we consider a, a diversified beef business in that we're, we're in the beef industry, but we do lots of things within the beef industry
1: these embryonic operators or contract growers enable jasmine and hayden to grow their stock numbers without the need to lease any more land
0: we do a lot of uh, a lot of flushing and embryo work throughout the year to propagate our more superior cows we put a lot of embryos into other people's cows and they will um, basically raise those cows for us to weaning and we take them back and then market them and sell them under our brand
2: i guess a really good part about doing utilising those contract rarers has enabled us to really grow the number of registered cattle that we have each year, so increase the number of, of calves that we're, I guess, we're able to, to market without necessarily having the capital invested in the land and the mummy cows to actually raise those calves. So I guess it's enabled us, as, as particularly as young people, to I guess invest in a, a couple of really sort of high quality genetics in, in, in sort of our donor cows. And then be able to proliferate those genetics by utilizing that embryo transfer work and those contract rears to be able to bring those calves back. Because we don't necessarily have the enough country to be able to run all those cows ourselves. So, yeah, it has really enabled us to grow.
1: Over the years, the two have worked hard to grow a solid customer base. And while a large part of their cattle is sold privately from their home, they are always looking for new opportunities. Uh, as part of our expansion
0: strategy i guess uh, getting to to know more people and identify more markets and build more relationships we sort of looked at queensland as a as a real opportunity obviously a big chunk of australia's cattle market um, or cattle population resides in queensland and we had some really good friends and some people up there that we thought we could work with so we have just more recently well the last couple of years sent a lot more bulls up that way uh, so we're always looking at new ways to do business and new ways to grow. Uh, last year, we actually offered a couple of innovative new ideas. We call it the the flush or the factory lot, where we offered some of our donor cows up the ability to flush those cows uh, for embryos, or five times the money and actually take the donor cow, which was just a new way we thought about uh, offering genetics to the industry. And we were lucky enough to um to sell a number of flushes in our best cows, and one of one of those cows, the uh, the buyers chose to take the factory and she set a new australian record at the time so that was kind of a a fun deal we had a
2: lot of debate over those lots because one's yeah they're both two of our i guess our favorite cows um about whether we would actually offer them or not um so it took a fair bit of convincing i think on on my behalf to allow me to to catalog my favorite cow
0: certainly um it's not something we'll offer every year Um, And it certainly probably depends on where we're at in our business and in our breeding program as to which cows we really need to hang on to. Um, But, you know, the opportunity came up last year that we had a pretty good embryo bank on a lot of those cows. We had a lot of daughters out of those cows coming through the herd and uh, and you know they had a lot to offer, but some of the daughters maybe we want you know we can only flush so many cows and put so many embryos in. So as we moved down the path of um, exploring some of these younger cows, those older cows maybe weren't getting utilized as much as they deserved. So we thought it was a great opportunity to allow other people access to them. So yeah, I'm not saying well, you know this. Yeah, the old adage is everything's for sale, but uh, but I don't know that that's always the case. At some point, everything becomes for sale, but at any point in time, maybe
2: some things
1: aren't. Now, the two are in the middle of figuring out a succession plan with Jasmine's parents.
2: So I'm the sixth generation to grow up on my family's farm operation in in the Southern Tablelands.
0: So we've developed the entire Summit Livestock business together by ourselves to this point. So everything that we've currently done has been us and it's been... Big borrowed, stolen, leased, you know, uh, any way that we could grow and do something different we've done. Um, it's just in the last sort of 18 months we've really got into the discussion with Jasmine's parents about a succession plan strategy with their farm. Yeah, we have worked with them for the last 15 to 17 years on the genetics in their Angus program anyhow. So we've had a lot of input on that side of things. We have been AIing their cows for over a decade there. So from a genetic standpoint, we're quite... I guess, ingrained in the cow herd there anyway, but uh, we we now have an opportunity. You know, Jasmine's parents are getting a little older and that um, we're able to kind of get back involved with the family farm. So we've sort of started to merge the Angus seed stock into the Summit Livestock business. Uh, We've rebranded them all Summit Livestock from now. And uh, over the next couple of years, we're basically probably going to move back to that home farm and and rebase out of the Southern Tablelands.
2: I guess that gives us a really good opportunity up there to, to continue to grow because uh, we're sort of at the point, I guess, down here that we're either at the point we need to find more country to lease and it, that just, it does get a really time consuming. And when you've got a young family, you don't have a lot of time left. So we would have to look at, okay, well, how do we expand? So it's either we, do we buy a farm down in riverina or do we look at this opportunity, explore this opportunity to expand? So yeah, we have got the opportunity to, to go into that succession planning with my parents. Uh, up at Crookle in Southern Tablelands. So we'll yeah, continue to explore that and hopefully that'll enable us to continue to, to grow our operation and yeah hopefully be able to raise our kids up there on the farm as well. I think particularly moving back up to the Southern Tablelands in, in that succession plan, it's a reasonably expensive area in terms of increasing land size up there. So there's probably a lot of challenges for us to increase how much land we're we're running up there. So for that farm to continue to support two families We probably just need to look at how that business is structured and and put together. So at the moment, if we can, the the seed stock side of things does, I guess, lend itself a little bit more to being able to support both of those families um, living off that land without having to increase land size or that sort of thing. Which we would, if we were sort of just going with a commercial operation, we might have to look at doing. But yeah, we sort of need to sit down and just go through that and, and look at the numbers on that to work out what is most cost effective and, and the best use of the resources that we've got available up there. So yeah, there's lots of interesting discussions to come, I think, around the table, so.
0: Yeah, it's a, it's a pretty unique area up there. And, and that's, it's quite funny in that we're only three hours from here to there, but the climate here is absolutely completely different production pattern to what it is up there. You know, up there we're at a thousand meters elevation. The winters are long and cold. You know, we're quite likely gonna get you know, bouts of snow between now and middle of September up there. We won't grow an of feed up there from now until basically the end of September. Whereas here, we're pretty much right in the peak of our production season. This is as good as it gets around here, like from now till September. It's actually one of the advantages, like there's a lot of disadvantages to having different blocks everywhere and being geographically quite spread out in terms of the logistics and the time it takes to run those, but, Currently, in that situation, it actually does give us a little more security in that if something happened in a certain location, it's less likely to be affecting all of the locations at once. So ultimately, the location that would be the most financially damaging would be the ones where the donors and the bulls and stuff are, which would be here. But but again, yeah, we've taken out some strategies to try and mitigate the long-term effects of that. But any time that you you run into something like that, it's going to cause you some short-term pain, so...
1: For now, they're hoping to keep some land in Wagga.
0: I think we'd really like to. We just need to talk to everybody who's involved in the succession of the business to work out how viable it would be to to still have some... You know, it's the travel that sort of takes it up. So, you know, the, the labour requirement in our business is relatively high. So, and and realistically, between Jasmine's dad and myself, we're the only two that work in it, and there'll be approximately 600-plus mama cows plus all the bulls and other bits and pieces to look after. So whether or not it's viable to maintain some country in the Riverina is yet to be discussed, but I love it down here, so it's, um, yeah, we'd really like to, I think, but, but whether or not that's actually a viable option, as we discuss what all the options are, I don't know.
1: It all sounds like a lot for two people to juggle, but at the end of the day, they say it's all worth
0: it. It is a lot of work but it's it's extremely rewarding and, and you can pick parts of anything that bring you lots of reward and I guess some, um, you know, the social part of the beef business for us has always been a lot of fun. We have a tremendous group of friends, mentors across the world because of it. we travelled across the world because of it. Um, so, yeah, even though day-to-day the slog might get a little hard when you're doing jobs that you don't enjoy, around the corner is another opportunity to go and network with some people at Beef Australian, Rockhampton, or. Denver National Western Stock Show in the States or just, you know, go for a tour. Or, you know, next month we'll be going across to Perth to judge at the show there for a few days and we'll get to do that as a family and travel a bit. I'll be up visiting customers in Queensland in August before I sale, And so there's really enjoyable social parts of it as well. So, you know, life's all about balance. And I think, um, you know, if you get too stuck working in the business... You don't necessarily work on the business and if you get too stuck working on the business and in the business you kind of forget to have some balance in life so i think it's important to try and do all those things
1: thanks to jasmine and hayden green for speaking with us and sharing their story in this episode all episodes of season five of propagate are out now Find them wherever you get your podcasts. Propagate is a podcast from the New South Wales Department of Primary Industries and an initiative by the Young Farmer Business Programme.